Hey, yo, and here we go. Another episode of We Talk Music is on there and in your ear. And once again, I'm Martin and got with me the king of the casters, Mr. Brett Podcast. Brett, oh, I know you're excited and so am I for today's guest. That's for sure. I mean, this is a band that we have been listening to for since 1984, at least. Uh, huge fans. They are Canadian legends. And and <clears throat> I've been looking for these guys for ages to come on the show. Super happy to finally have them. We have Derry Grand from Honeymoon Sweet. Derry, how are you? I'm really good today. How are you guys? Wonderful. I mean, we get a chance to talk to you. I mean, honestly, like I say, I mean, we've been listening to Honeymoon Sweet for forever now. And you know, we love you guys. Well, thank you. Thank you. I love myself too. Well, I love our, you know, <laughs> but, uh, well, thank you. That that's great. We're we're you know, we're still having a great time and loving what we do. Well, that's good. Yeah, I don't sure. want to talk about I don't want to talk about the last time I loved myself because it's a family show. Oh but, yeah. Uh, I guess that was a that was a bad choice of words. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> So anyways, you guys have a new album called Alive coming out on February 16th, and it is a great album. In fact, you know, I think it's your best. I think it's probably I'm pretty proud of it, too. I think it's one of the best be something, one of the better. Um, what am I trying to say? I think it's the best thing we put out in a long time. I think the last record was uh, Clifton, no, Hands Up, which was, God, five, six, seven years ago, eight years. I don't know. If we were overdue, but this one is quite a bit different. There's a lot more production on it. It's pretty slick, and we spent a lot of time on it, and I think it shows. I'm glad you guys like it. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like, we're because I mean, you started releasing songs from this album, what, back in 2019? Yeah, we put out two singles, and keep in mind, <clears throat> we, you know, we were doing all this right when the COVID hit. We'd started the record, then COVID hit. So that like kind of put everything on the back burner for a lot of things. So we kind of worked through that. But at that point, we'd already had a couple songs uh, mixed. And like we thought, well, wow, these are so great. Let's just like we'll let a lot of bands do now start releasing singles ahead of the record. So we put out two singles. And the second one, uh, Find What You're Looking For, actually charted in Canada. First time we'd been on a chart in many years because that's just not the business anymore for classic rock bands. But it was really cool to to get charted and get the airplay like the old the old days. But just because the song, you know, the song, I think the song was good. So there you go. Well, absolutely. And then when it comes down to now alive and the you know being the new single, like how is it that you kind of chose the singles from the from the album? Well. Um, we'd already done, I mean, there's, I think there's four or five really great single choices on this album. Um, tell me what you want. Uh, tell me what you want was the first single we, two, three years ago. And then we did find what you're looking for. It's more rock track. So now we finally got the opportunity to finish the album and release it. So the label is like, well, now we need another single. We've already put out two in Canada. So the next obvious one was Alive, which has always been a, a single choice, was going to be a single. And I think it's it's also the name of the record, which we just decided kind of at the last minute because naming album is just the hardest thing to find something cool. And Johnny just said, well, you know, Alive is a great title. It's, of course, it's been done before, but it kind of represents the record and the song. It's simple. 
and the song's really uplifting. It's radio friendly. So here we are. And I think it's a great time to have one now. How difficult was it like waiting all this time? Like, did you, did you have the albums, like say in, in 2019, 2020, ready to go and wait for a couple of years? Or did you kind of, you know, go back and keep adding to it and then finally have it ready now? A uh, bit of everything, bit of a lot of bits and pieces. We started the record in Nashville with our producer, Mike Crumpus, who was living down there at the time. Johnny, when I would go down there and start writing with him, and then bring the band down, start cutting bed tracks. It's kind of done in pieces, bits and pieces all over the place. But I think we started it in 2020. It was like maybe six months before the pandemic. And we'd already got pretty much a lot of the bed tracks and overdubs done. And we're still refining and doing vocals. Um, so COVID hit and uh, Johnny had just come back from England. He was cutting vocals because our producer now lived over there. And he'd come back like maybe three days before they shut everything down. So he would have been stuck over in the UK because nobody could fly. That's, you know, it was in February of 2022 or 20, you know, remember when they shut everything down? It was mm -hmm. January. Oh, yeah. So he got back to Canada just in time. So now we're just, okay, now we're going to wait. But fortunately, the way bands we record these days, everything's digital and it's on files and logic and, uh, yeah, um, you know, Pro Tools. So fortunately, uh, I was able to do a lot of tracking at home, guitars and whatnot, and send the files over to Mike and same with Johnny. So we kept forging on and refining the songs. But I will say, as frustrating as that was, because I get, when I start something, I have to finish it. And I don't like to be pushed back and waiting for things because I get anxious. But fortunately, it gave us the time to sit with the songs for months, forget about them, come back and listen. And me as a writer, if I hear a song that I thought was great six months ago, I go, oh, this, is, this needs a bridge or I want to change this. So we had the luxury of doing that and refining it to becoming a better song. So here we are finally it's it's finished and ready to come out at uh at what point did frontiers come on then and uh what's it been like working with them because in a lot of ways they're responsible for keeping classic rock bands around you know and promoting their music and doing new albums and yeah really. and everything so yeah really well we work with frontiers we work with frontiers on and off for a good 10 10 years they or so they released a couple of our earlier records like Clifton Hill and Dreamland. Um, so it wasn't our first go around with them. They, we'd had some Honeymoon Suite releases in the past. But this one here, the album was done and mixed and we we're shopping for a label. And I know that Frontiers have contacted me a few years back and said, if you have any, any uh, plans for a new project, let us know. So I did. I contacted it. I sent them the record and they jumped right on and said, we'd love to put this out. And um, we weighed our options and really that for a band like us, that's a great place to be on that label because they know what to do with it. It's their forte and they've done a really bang up job so far with the promotion and everything. So I'm quite impressed uh, with what they've done. Is it easier then to kind of find a label when you have the album in the can? 
Well, it's easier in the respect that we self-finance this record for the most part, myself and Johnny and our producer, Mike, because we just wanted it done. It was, you know, so good that we put our own time and, and, and money into it because we knew it would be good. So to answer your question, I think it's a bonus for labels that we're arriving, you know, we're calling them up saying, hey, we're delivering you a finished, mixed master. You don't have to pay for anything in that respect. It's done. But give us a $100,000 advance. No, yeah, I wish. If it was the 80s, yeah. yeah. But we're in a more favorable position to negotiate to deliver them a record, and all they have to do is put it out and promote it. So you're in a better uh, bargaining position. And yes, that did help us in this case. So then when it comes down to songwriting, I mean, I know that in the early days you you wrote most of the songs. And now is it you and Johnny that do most of the songwriting together? Yeah, well, this whole project, again, I, comes back to Johnny and I and Mike, the producer. Mike is also a guitar player and a songwriter and an all-round kind of talented guy. And um, we work so much together that with the writing in that, a lot of the songs I would come up with the initial ideas, but there's three of us in the room, three of us are working on this. So we just split the whole album three ways because I don't get nitpicky and I wrote this course and that first, I don't care. If you're in the room and Johnny's singing on that, like we're all in this, you know, let's just split it up evenly because everybody will be happier and the project will be, be better because of it. Because to me, it's about the music, whatever's going to make the music better. What does one of those been that way, or is that something you kind of have grown into being that way and, and putting the music first as, as the years have gone on? Yeah, well, back in the early days, I had written everything in the 80s. I would come in with basically finished songs and take the, the writer's credit for them. And so I should because, I, you know, I did the, all the work and then just presented it to the band, which is fine. And I still can write do write songs 100% myself. I've always done that. But in the last 10 years or so, I've gotten more into co-writing, which is, um, which is, you know, I'm here. Sorry. Um, yeah, co-writing has been a new thing uh, that I've kind of stepped outside my comfort zone and co-wrote with people. And it's a really, it's a skill uh, when you're used to doing it yourself. And I, I, uh, I actually uh, kind of like it a lot. Well, somebody's calling me. So I think it brings different flavors. A lot of songs I'll come in with are not totally there. And if Johnny's going to sing them, then he has to put his two cents in because he'll always change things and, and come up with different lyrics. So in the end, I think if you got three talented writers on one song, I think just makes it better. So what does being in the room look like when you're when you're sitting down writing a song? Like, do you do you kind of like how many songs could you get through in, in a day? Well, every song's got a different story. And when I say in the room, I mean, that's how it starts. But it's an expression where in the room means if there's another writer uh, working on the song with you or actually in the room and he contributes like the title. That's all he contributes. And you write this great song. That's as important as, as uh, you know, if I do a ton of other work, I don't care because it, it was the key part of the song. Or somebody says one line in the verse, you were in the room there that day writing the song with me. And that's what made the song great. It doesn't matter who did what. So. That's the way it, 
it goes. Plus, I've been, I live in Nashville now, and I've been coming down here for a long time, co-writing with people. And they just grind it out here uh, in the writing rooms and stuff, which I don't do much of because I, that's just too crazy for me to try and write three songs in one day because, you know, it's a country thing and I don't do that. But I love writing with people. And sometimes we'll get in a room and we'll write a song in two hours. That's really great. In other days, it takes six months to write a song and it's not that good. So writing is funny like that. It's hit or miss and you just kind of go into it with a good attitude and see what comes out. With you living in Nashville, like, you know, where do the other members of the band live kind of thing? So is it is it difficult to get together to do things? No, not these days because everybody flies everywhere. Like all the bands um, of our genre or, or what we do, we do a lot of festivals and stuff. And everybody just uh, like a lot of the other bands that are out there, the guys live all over the place. But as long as they can get to an airport, they just meet up. So I'll see the other guys are in Canada, but it's never been a hindrance because even in Canada, they're all living in scattered places around Ontario. So they go to different airports and we meet up at the show, you know, and there there we are. It's it's all about traveling now. We don't live all in the same city anymore. It's just not necessary. Mm hmm. And then when it comes down to like, I mean, moving to Nashville, I mean, so many, so many rock people are still moving to Nashville and it's still become such a hub, despite the fact that it's, you know, such a country music hub. Um, you know, what was it that attracted you to it? I've always loved it here. I am um, originally from Canada, from Toronto, but I married an American woman uh, many years ago and she's from Illinois. So I have been living in Illinois for 20 years after I moved from Toronto when our kids were really small. I moved to a small city there and we raised our kids. And it was a nice, nice place in, in the middle of middle state of Illinois. And I still have uh, my house up there. So but from there, I've been commuting back forth to Nashville because where I was living in Illinois was really not a. A music place you know what i mean a little midwestern city not a lot going on there musically so i was drawn to nashville because it was commutable for me and la i love la but it's crazy expensive and i don't have a lot of uh connections out there at the moment but i love going out there so nashville seemed to be i love it here because it's not too big and it's not too small and it's so so many players and musicians here. Yeah, country, but there's a lot of rock guys here, producers. It's just, I love the environment. It's manageable here. I love the weather. So I'm uh, I'm going to stay here for a bit. Is, yeah. that kind of, is that important, just being in an environment that's creative, where creativity flows? Hell, oh, yeah. Like at any given night, just the quality of music. You go out any night of the week, and there's people playing all over. And... It's the quality of musicianship, even in the little bars and writers' rounds, because everybody's here trying to make it, whether they're country or pop, they're just they're good. You have the starting place in Nashville is you got to be really good, and then go from there because the competition is ridiculous. But you don't, you know, you don't want to be a big fish in a little pond. You know, you want to be a little fish in a big pond and fight your way to the top, and that's how you make it. So you see that a lot with the younger kids out there and it's refreshing and everybody's just so much the competition is good and that the, the writing and so every band comes through here 
there's just there's just a lot to do. Or I can stay at home and just you know, in my studio and write because it's just I like the vibe. You know, it's manageable. Yeah, we we talk to a lot of people, and some of the people say that they're homebodies, and some of the people go out a lot. Like, where do you kind of fit? Would you do you go out a lot to see these people in Nashville? Yeah, when I have a reason, when there's a band coming through that I want to see, or uh, you know, I live with my daughter. She's a singer songwriter too, and she's got a lot of connections and her whole her whole uh, her whole sphere of friends and everything. She's she's got the you know a lot of the younger artists, and I go out with her and 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 see see players i'm going out tonight actually to see one of her friends play and it's really cool or there's like rock bands like i mean extreme for example the band with nuno you know i mean they're coming through here i want to go to that show so you get you get every you know you get spoiled here you can see some really cool stuff mm -hmm. yeah exactly now do you like hang out with uh, people like nuno and stuff uh, very often no no i don't hang out with them we've done i uh, met nuno we did one of the monsters of rock cruises a few years back and extreme was on that one um so when you're on a boat you know they can't run away from you they're everybody's but it's really cool because you can just go down and see them play at a little one of the lounges you know it's real intimate and you can just yeah i uh i introduced myself and we hung out and i saw his show and uh doug aldrich was on the boat too the guitar player with his oh, yeah. band. so it's a great chance for me to you know say hey up man you know i play with honeyman suite and all these guys oh yeah i know your band and uh it's really cool to to make those uh to meet some people that you really like they're playing and to see them see them up close so i'm not like friends i wouldn't say they're you know they're not in my phone but uh, we do cross paths now with a lot of these these great players it's it's cool for me i know a guy like Nuno. i appreciate him but I imagine as a guitarist, you can just see what he's doing and go, oh, okay, that's there's probably a lot to absorb that you get out of a, a guy like that that I don't. Yeah, no, there's a lot to absorb. Yeah, he's, he's, he's incredible. Um, I can see what he's doing, but I could never play that fast or that clean. He's got his own style, the same as Doug Aldridge, for example. He's a different player, but just as fast and quick. But I get excited, you know, to see that and try and put elements of that back into my playing and make myself better. I play every day for hours. I practice just trying to get better, faster, cleaner and writing songs. I'm not intimidated. These guys are amazing, but I don't want to be them. I could never be them, but I can take I can get influenced by them and see new things that they do because I get stale with my playing and I'm always looking for new new stuff well you do come up with some great riffs i mean you've had exactly. great riffs over the years and i think on the new album living out loud has the best riff like that's i think that's a killer riff and and so when you're writing you come up with something like that do you know right away okay that's a great riff or is it just part of the songwriting process coming it's up part with of the process where something starts out and where it finishes and thank you for that. Living out loud. It's one of my favorite songs. I, I, I yeah. just love playing it. It's riffy and it's funky. Um, it's funny that song, the, the opening riff was actually Mike Crumpus, our producer, who's a wicked shredder guitar player. He kind of threw that idea down. I had written a song with a total a similar riff, but in a much lower register. And he he uh, was messing around with it one day with you know trying to find a little hookier thing and he came up with that uh, opening riff which is kind of a variance of 
the one I wrote, he just kind of played a different register. And I loved what he did. So it's a combination of all those things. Yeah, because there's one thing for sure that that I mean, for me, I can get a honeymoon suite song stuck in my head, no problem. Because I mean, what whatever you do, you found that secret sauce that manages to just you know hook me and connect me, and and I mean, there'll be just songs. I mean, looking out for number one, you know, bad attitude, and the, I mean, just amazing. So I think like those are skills that are just as important as being able to like completely shred on a guitar. Um. Yes, primarily I'm. My thing is songwriting. It's it's about the song. You've got to have that first, and then you can put all the you know the icing on the cake with solos and all all that after the fact. But a guitar solo doesn't make a great song. A great lyric and melody and chorus makes a great song. So once you have that as a base, then you can, if it requires some shredding, then I'll try and do that. But yeah. Modern, a lot of my writing will start with a riff, like Bad Attitude, or Looking Out for Number One. They all start with a riff, and I go from there. How many of the guitars, like how many guitars do you have, and then how many of them are you like still playing after all these years? I don't have enough. Don't you know, <laughs> guitar player never has enough, has enough guitars. But seriously, I'm not a hoarder. I'm not one of these guys that has 150 guitars. What's the point? Never going to be able to play them all. I don't, you know, see stacks of cases in my garage. Just, it's too stressful for me to have that many out there. I've got maybe 25 to 30 guitars and that's plenty for me uh, because each, and I actually play almost all of them all the time. They're hanging all over the place, all over the house, because each one is different. They all have a different voice and a different feel depending on, on what I want. So I will play them all. Unless, and then, you know, every once in a while, like I've been working with Godan for my signature model, uh, people keep giving me stuff, you know, like a big box and the UPS guy will pull up and here comes another big box up to the door. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, thank you so much. And they'll send me a nice guitar and okay. <laughs> it's really <I> wonderful. <laughs> How do you choose which ones to bring on, on tour with you? Well, now, as I just mentioned, um, I've been working with Godan for for a few years now. They approached me about this uh, tire tread uh, signature model that I have out, and that's that's been my latest project with them. And I'm so uh, happy with what what they did, and that's finally uh, come out. So it's the, called the TR1. It's the black guitar with the yellow tire treads on it that uh, that you saw first on the Racy After Midnight album. Mm -hmm. So they copied that. And that's the one, of course, I want to promote it because it's doing really well. And I just love the guitar. So I play that one primarily in the honeymoon shows. And then I've got the, another little Godin they sent me. Uh, I would like to take a whole bunch of them, but I can't. Because when we do these fly dates, like all, our, all us kind of bands do, you can only take two or three, you know, to fly. Because uh, it's just not economical to take any more. So that's it. And I've got my other favorite is my PV Wolfgang guitar, which is like 25 years old. When Eddie first started, put his first model out with PV that many years ago. This thing is, it's a classic. I think it's worth some, some serious money now because I got one of the first ones. But it's a beautiful guitar. The tone is incredible. Does that work then when, when you do these fly dates, especially like when you're a drummer and you like, and there's so much. 
are they using um you know like stock drums that are that are actually at the venue yeah drummers got it easy they just show up with their <laughs> stick bag you know and the singer shows up with a microphone <laughs> the all the all the equipment is backlined you know where we're at but backline companies have come a long way in terms of the quality of the stuff like we said our rider ahead and dave will get if he wants you know a high-end premiere kit with these symbols and these snares that's what he'll get it's all on site a lot of these casinos have incredible backline already in-house or there's companies that will bring it in and it's quite it's really good stuff and i'll order marshalls and you know for the most part it's really great stuff so then What's it like now? I mean, working with a lot of the same guys still after so many years. I mean, I know you had some lineup changes in in an you know in the middle, but now you've kind of got the same guys back. And what's that feel like? It's full circle, man. Yeah, we we took uh, we went through some changes when, when the business went down in the '90s, and grunge came in and killed all us kinds of bands. But we we soldiered on, and Dave and Gary. Uh, left for a while and then at some point things started to turn around for us and we had other players really good players but they weren't it didn't have that that sound you know they they would overplay they're they're almost too good so um not to say gary gary and dave aren't good it's just that we had other players that's just the way it worked out but then at some point i am a big fan of bands who have original members and some of my favorite bands are like U2 and, and Van Halen, a lot, you know, a lot of the original members. I love that. And I, it's not always possible. But I said to Johnny at one point, why don't we just, I miss Dave and Gary. I miss that sound. And I approached them and they, they said, yeah. They came back in. This was, well, got to be 10 years, 15 years ago. They've been back. It's been awesome. Because, and we've got Peter Nunn on keyboards, uh, not Ray, Ray Colburn left a long time ago, and he's doing other things, but, and Rob Proust as well. But Peter has been the keyboard player longer than our first two keyboard players. So he's basically a band member. He's been in it for a long time. And Dave and Gary, and I tell you, these are the guys that played on the albums and recorded and wrote the songs. So we get on stage, it sounds like that because they were the guys on the, you know on the recordings and i think that's really cool i think that makes a big difference and i love this the sound plus we're all still surprisingly enough really great old friends and we have a blast when we get together and play so there you go do you think that there's like a shorthand kind of thing of working with the people that you've worked with for so long where it's just kind of like a little nod will you know and then there's an understanding behind those kind of things yeah, when you've known these guys and played with them for so long, I don't even have to look at Dave. I know what he's going to do. I know what Gary's going to do. It's almost second nature. You've been playing with guys for 30, 40 years. You just know them inside and out. It's almost telepathic. Think of how many times we've played these songs together, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's almost automatic. One of the things in the music industry, I mean, we talk about how, like so many bands talk about how difficult it is to release new music and, and question the point of it, even because of the fact that everybody just wants to hear the hits. I mean, do you think that with this album, this is kind of like you want to keep doing new music? Oh, absolutely. It's the life, 
lifeblood of an original band. I, I never stopped writing, so why wouldn't I? And we've got this core of fans that want to hear new music. But you're right. We also understand that the whole reason we're still here is because of New Girl Now, Burning Love, Feel It Again, Wave Babies, on and on. <clears throat> don't take that for granted. That's why people are coming to the shows, and we're proud of those songs. So we're going to deliver those songs because that's what kept that's what's kept us going all this time and if we have something that's new like the song alive that fits right in with those songs i don't think people are going to get up and leave to because it's it's a great song it isn't just like a bathroom break song you know um you got to be very careful how you introduce new material and you've got to do it in the right way don't play your new album play your hits and if you've got a really good song that's getting airplanes, your fans know it and, and put it in there because it's a nice change up. Yeah. I mentioned Wave Babies. I what was I, 12 when that came out? Uh, boy, you had my attention in that video, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. Uh the 80s A. That was uh good times, man. Yeah. That's still a really big song. People just love it and that that's the other thing is i can't believe it you know but hey this is the reason i got in into this business is to have those hits and that longevity it just inspires me every day to keep writing if not for honeymoon there's uh um for other artists you know trying to get cuts and i got a solo album coming out too that I've Ooh, awesome. oh wow and it's it's not a, it's not songs it's it's uh instrumental it's a guitar album that's what I'm trying to say, it, in the vein of like a what a Joe Satriani type thing, where it's just all riffs and just um, you know the the lead solo is the melody. So I've been working. I started it in COVID because I had a lot of time, and uh, it occurred to me that wow, I really like some of these riffs, but they're not really songs. They're not really for honeymoon. So I started compiling. I said, well, I've always kind of wanted to do a side project, but at the right time, it was good. So anyways, that one's coming coming together, have it all mixed, and I'll put it out this year at some point. It's a side project. Awesome. Well, that's, that's awesome though. As I always wonder how said, do you name I always wonder how do you name songs when you don't have lyrics? Like oh, how do you possibly Oh, it's fun. It it's fun. I mean, I don't know. When I'm writing something, uh yeah. Yeah. Uh did they all have a like there's one song in the album that's very riffy and fast and bluesy, and it reminds me of Cream, you know, uh, you know, early Cream. So I called the song "Past the Cream." I make up little fun titles for it. There's another song called Mishmash, and if you listen to it, that's what it sounds like. Mishmash. It's a fast boogie. So I just got comical titles that kind of suit the song. When you hear the song, you see why I call it that. <laughs> Yes, uh, yes. Uh, we'll never forget the moment when we were at a Brian Wilson concert, and he said, "This song has no voices, no voices." So that's that's what we call uh, the instrumental albums now for ourselves. Yeah, no, no voices, voices albums. albums. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> when you guys, you know, go out and and you hit the road, like how many dates do you kind of? want to achieve in a in a year do you have like kind of a set amount that you need to hit or is it just kind of whatever comes not enough yeah we don't hit enough we play maybe 45 shows a year which compared to other bands that's nothing i would play i'd love to do a couple hundred shows a year but it's just not in the cards right now 
if we expand our our touring to the US, which we're starting to play a lot more in the States, open that market up, go back to Europe for more festivals. Me, I want to play all year round. I want to go all over the place. I haven't been to South America. We've been to Europe. We've been all over the States. There are places to play. You just got to kind of keep at people and try and get those dates. But with only 45, maybe 50 shows a year, eh, you know, I'd play every week. I'd play five shows a week. Three, I'd play three, four shows a week if I could. That would be great. But um, right now, I think it's pretty pretty easy. Too much time off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Working on it. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. And the, is it difficult to get on these shows? Like even, I mean, Honeymoon Suite is a, you know, to me, is a larger named band. So, I mean, I would think that you would be able to get the dates fairly easily, but. Yeah, you would think, but keep in mind, Canada, <clears throat> it's a big country, but uh, it's not that big. Uh, uh, there's a the cities, there's not that many cities and they're quite scattered, quite far apart. And we've toured Canada back and forth for years and years. It's been our bread and butter. But there's only so many places to play in Canada. And we can't go back and do the same festivals every year. You know, you have to wait three or four years before you mm-hmm. come back to best certain festivals. So we're, I think we're milking that market as much as we can. We're playing as much as we can in Canada uh, where it makes sense. So that leaves um, the U.S., which and I've been living in America for 20 years. And we got a lot of fans here. And I've been, you know, working really hard with, with agencies and promoters and stuff. And it's finally starting to pay off. We could open up this, the U.S. market. You could play because it's so massive down here. You could be working year round. If you get up to a, you know, a level of say like what a Night Ranger band would do or even Loverboy, they can work all the time, but you have to work up to that level. Um, get on packages and let people know Honeymoon Suite is out there and uh, get your profile back up. That's what we're trying to do because we've been out of, it down here for a long time but things are coming around well the new album is alive it's out february 16th uh, the new single is alive i want to ask about one song on there because my favorite song i, I talked about my favorite riff but living out loud my favorite song not afraid to fall uh, i oh. hope you're considering that as a single it's a i think it's one of your very best songs oh well thank you uh, that really is... good now, tell oh, me a little bit about that one. Oh, thank you see i appreciate that that's really a johnny d song it's, you know, it's a different flavor. It's primarily mm-hmm. Johnny came in with that idea and we kind of polished it off and made it, you know, took it to the next level. And I'll pass that along. Um, I think it's it's great. You can see that stylistically the difference in Johnny's writing as opposed to me doing Living Out Loud. You can see the difference in that's the way Johnny writes, but that's what makes our project work. So I'll pass that along. And uh, yeah. I think it's good. I will make the point. All the Honeymoon's Sweet albums over the years, if you notice, there's a bit of everything on our albums. We don't do eight of the same kind of songs. Look at the first album, you've got New Girl Now and Burning, but then you got Wave Babies, you know, and songs like that. Completely different, but they all work in the context of the album. You could say the same thing about the big prize and racing. Um, ver- a variety of songs and this new album has a bit of everything on it um not afraid to fall being one of them well and that's one of those things that i really like about the album is that it, it's got so you know, like all those new things but it's still 
to me fits seamlessly in with your back catalog. Yeah, I think so too, because we're not trying to make be the flavor of the month to sound like another band. It's, you've got to stay true to uh, what our brand is, if you want to call it that. But however, again, you know, kudos to Mike. He updated the sound. He updated the production and put a few newer flavors in there um, because that's what his forte is. So we let him run with that. And he kind of put a few modern kind of samples and things like that going in there. But at the heart of it, the album really rocks. The drums are big. The guitars are big. And at the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything unless you got songs. So the first thing we did is write, try and write the best songs, the big choruses, melodic choruses, Johnny's voice right out front. That's that's what people, that's Honeymoon Suite. So that was our first consideration. Yeah, because Johnny Johnny's voice is so great. I mean, it's, it's still, it sounds exactly the same as it did, you know, 40 years ago, practically. Yeah, we're lucky. He's like, his voice is held up. He, um, he's really, um, takes care of it. It's really important to him. There's so many, there's a few singers out there now our generation that probably shouldn't be out there anymore the voices are just burnt out for whatever reason and i think that's when you probably shouldn't go out but johnny still cuts it he really takes care of his voice and he's still singing on key and i it's great i really love it no backing tracks with honeymoon suite no there are none there's maybe one sample in our show again that's another thing uh, and Eddie Trunk would agree with me there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Because he's so, and I agree with him. No, when you when you see us play, that's us playing. It's all it's all live. So at least then it means that there's no, we're not going to see the Honeymoon Suite uh, retirement tour uh, anytime soon? <laughs> no. No, there's no, we don't have any plans. We just keep going till we don't go anymore, till it doesn't make sense or it's not fun. There isn't a long range plan because that's not rock and roll. So <laughs> it's working now. It'll work this year. Hopefully it'll work next year and we'll keep it going uh, as long as, you know, the fans are out there. So it'll stop someday. But right now, having too much fun. You know, it's a, it's a marketing ploy. This is our last tour. You know, sell a few extra tickets and then just back out of it. We've seen too yeah. many guys do that. Come on. Yeah, well, that, day on is, there. that day is not not now. Uh, hopefully not for a while. Who knows? <laughs> well, Terry, it's been awesome to talk to you. And I know that uh, we certainly want Honeymoon Suite to carry on, you know, for another 40 years because uh, because we still love the music and and we always love seeing you guys live. So. <clears throat> Please tell all the fans where they can keep up with you and where they can get the new album. You go, uh, the dates are on our Facebook and Instagram. Also, honeymoonsweetbands.com is our website. Dates are on there. Um, The new album is available, of course, in Europe and on Frontiers. It's also available in America on frontiers i don't know the distributor but you can find it if you go on frontiers but we have canada we're releasing it ourselves in canada and you could find the album at i think it's called music in motion or it's on our web store which is merch in motion or uh, music in motion uh i think that's the website where we have our 
merch and the album will be available there and it's going to be distributed by somebody in canada i can't remember right now we're still putting all that together but it'll be out there and we'll, of course we'll have it at the shows because that's the only place you can be selling cds anymore anyways there's a, probably a few record stores but we're doing vinyl and cd of the new album and of course those will be at at the shows awesome well that's fantastic i mean because you know you guys i mean you guys deserve everything and uh, and i wish you nothing but the best in the future because uh and i think everybody should go and listen to the new album because i think it's great well thanks i appreciate that we're pretty pretty happy with it and um we'll see what happens yeah really great talk with you guys we'll see you uh hopefully see you in calgary so, yes, th that would be great. I hope that that show goes off, and uh, and we look forward to talking to you again. Um, perhaps when your uh, when your No Voices album comes out. Yeah, you're right. Right. <laughs> yeah, awesome. let's talk then. Okay. okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Terry. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. For thank now. you, sir. Pleasure. Thank you, guys. Got a lot of noise in my head. Don't lose control. You made